How in the heck do you choose a detailer? I'm Nick with DIY Detail, here for the DIY Detail Podcast, joined by Ivan LaCroix. How are you, sir? Great yourself, Nick. I'm doing so good. You know, we're doing a DIY Detail Podcast. We have a DIY Detail YouTube channel and Instagram and TikTok, all to help the person out there get empowered to have fun cleaning their car. And one question I had is, there comes a point when DIY reaches a limit. And I wanted to kind of have this conversation with you. When do you stop at DIY and hire a pro? And I wondered if we could start there. Well, where you stop is your comfort level. And that's it. You know, some people will be comfortable put, you know, getting a buffer and polishing their paint. Others won't. Some will be comfortable applying a ceramic coating. Others won't. So we need to figure out not we, but the, the consumer needs to figure out what their comfort level is. And when you're not comfortable doing something, and maybe you should pass it off to someone else. And that's when you start looking for a professional that is comfortable doing it. I always kind of grimace when someone spent 50 grand on a car and they go onto one of these forums. And by the way, DIY Detail is a friendly forum on Facebook where you can just ask to join. We ask you a few questions, but yeah. then it's really safe space. That's our whole goal. Safe space, ask questions. Um, but their intent, they've bought a few pads and a polisher and they want to work on their baby to remove a scratch and they've never corrected paint before. And I, I try to give them advice, but it seems like once they're down that road, their intent to take it all the way. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes they'll choose the right products. Sometimes they won't. And if you're just starting out, you want to use the least aggressive polishing pad and polish and just give it a try. And then if you're comfortable, you can step it up. And little side note about scratch removal. You don't want to remove a scratch. You want to round over the corners of the scratch. Let's say your scratch is 20 microns deep or one mil deep. You've only got three mils of paint total. That is clear coat, base coat, primer, e-coat, the whole shebang. So if you take out that scratch that's one mil deep, that means that whole area that you remove the scratch, instead of having one microscopic line that's that deep, now you have maybe four, five, or six inches wide that is troughed down to the depth of the scratch because you're not moving clear coat and putting it back into the scratch. That doesn't exist. What you are doing is that was taking single stage, right? Area. That was back in the day. Right. Yeah, with, with single stage paint, though, you did kind of heat it up and move it around, right? Not with single stage paint, with lacquer paints. So the the more modern single stage paints, and by modern I mean from about 1975 up. Uh, they're basically clear coat with pigment in it. So they react the same way. But the old lacquer paints that we had in the 50s and 60s and before that, those with heat, you could, quote, move them around. Uh, But today's paints, so anything above, we'll say 1975, forget it, you're not moving it. Uh, So in that case, you want to use the least aggressive method possible. And what we're wanting to do, instead of that nice sharp V at the top of the scratch, We'll still leave the V at the bottom, but we'll round over the top. And that gives the illusion that the scratch isn't there. Of course, if you're looking for it, you'll find it. But we want to protect the paint. So back to the original question, though. When well, do I just, you decide I to, to hire a professional? I wanted actually to put a link up above because you really demonstrated how easy it is to do a light polish, to remove oxidation, to give the car a shine, and then apply our ceramic coating. It, um, it's possible to do your own polishing and ceramic coating. In fact, it's very simple. But the rabbit hole of removing scratches and deep swirls and defects, 
I would say that is where you want to hire a professional, depending on your skill set. But pretty much, that's where you want to start asking questions and hiring yeah. a pro. Right. And we're starting off with the exterior, but we'll also get to the interior as well, because there are things that you need to hire a pro on the interior too. So with the I have exterior, so many, I have so many thoughts. I have so many yeah, thoughts. Cut. I know. Well, the, the, oh. uh, let's say that Nick. I'm excited. Is, uh, went really down a very, very deep rabbit hole on interiors about five years ago. So, uh, nonetheless. I'm repping this because I am, in fact, a professional detailer, and this is where I truly geek out. So, I'm interrupting you. I apologize. It's too much coffee today. What I wanted to ask you, I think we established when to reach out to a detail on the outside. So, if you want to talk about the inside, but then I want to get to... What do you look for and what do you ask to find somebody who's going to take care of your baby? What do you look for? Google reviews, first of all. Uh, Secondly, how organized is their shop or mobile unit? And there's no, in terms of quality between a shop and a mobile unit, there isn't any difference. The shop is a more efficient way of doing it for the detailer. The mobile is more efficient for the consumer. But nonetheless, the quality can be the same from both. It depends on how who the person doing it is. So Google reviews are a very good way of finding out, is this guy good or is this girl good? And if they are, they should have positive Google reviews. Now, Google reviews, you have to be careful. There's occasionally a one or two star review. And if you look at the answer from the... the um, the detailer, you'll find out that a that pro- that person probably never even went there. Secondly, uh, you know some people get a little irked by one little thing, and they they have to write that one star review. So I always discount one star reviews. Three, four star reviews, those I'll look at. Five star reviews, of course. But that being said, that is one way. Another way is referrals. Do you know someone that's satisfied with their detailer? Well, if you do, give them a call. Ask them, hey, I know you have your car detailed on a regular basis. Who does it for you? And go from there. The other thing is, if you have a specific issue you're wanting to deal with, we'll say road paint on your car. So right. you got you got caught in traffic. You had to drive over it. For some reason, you had to swerve. And you have road paint on your car. Call detailers up and question, how are you going to remove this? And if they're humming and hawing and they don't seem to know, then that might not be the best choice for that job. But if they know exactly, oh, this is what we're going to do, and it's like you'd ask them a question that they've been asked a million times, then great. That's probably the person you want for that specific job. And some detailers are great at interiors and not so great on exteriors or vice versa. And some have developed very good specialties. So you may not be able to go to one detailer for everything. And that's something else you need to be considerate of. So I think trusting your intuition and your gut and your heart is a really important life lesson that sometimes you yeah. make some mistakes in life and you think, oh, I got to stop trusting my intuition. I got to get back into my head and analyze everything. But I think your gut will tell you what is true. And so I think throughout this entire process, trust your gut if there's a personal connection. Now, um, there's another Facebook forum, obvious thing. You ask in your local community, do you recommend a local detailer? You go into that yeah. Facebook community forum, and you can just search detailer, uh, and you'll find a good one. Two things I like to look for. 
how long have they been in business? So you can go and, and kind of uh, stalk their social media, so their Facebook page, their Instagram. Is it just six months? Do they just get on this fad? Or have they been doing this a while? And then number two is you can ask for the owner's first and last name. And honestly, you might find it on Facebook through one of these forum referrals. Look at them. I mean, are they out there talking about different political issues and it looks like they've got personal issues and they hate the world and everything is, you know, someone else's fault? And, you know, because people can have a lot that they reveal on their Facebook or do they feel yeah. like they're really put together? You know what I mean? If you want to go down all the way to make sure someone is going to take care of your vehicle. Um, and then another thing was ask if they have insurance and in, in a really try not to be annoying, but kind of in a roundabout friendly way. See if they've been trained, IDA certified, or any certifications. I think certifications right. at least show a commitment to improving the craft. Yeah. And one uh, little thing I'd like to add, Nick, is the six months or six years, honestly, I don't lend any or I don't lend a big value to that because you have some really? people that they've been part-time detailing, they've been DIY, DIY detailers for 10 years, and now they all of a sudden started a business. They might have been detailing yep. for 10 years, but not posted anything. So that's one of the things that, yes, time in the industry is a good thing, but it's not always the best evaluation. I've trained detailers that technically started their business three months ago, and they're better mm -hmm. off and they're better uh, skilled than detailers that have been doing it for 20 years. The detailer that's been doing it for 20 years doesn't mean they've been doing it right for 20 years doesn't mean they've been doing it well for 20 years. So that is a, a consideration. But it's not, you know, by all means, it's not going to weigh the balance one way or the other. It's just you need to take that in, into consideration. I know you were going to go into the interior and when to stop a DIY, but I think people know when they're going to stop a DIY. It's when they can't do it. It's when they're dog. I mean, people know on their interior when it has yeah. gone past DIY because they've decided they can't do it or they don't want to do it. And I just feel like the exterior exactly. is more of a wild, exotic, I don't even understand what's happening here, but could right. I just go and get some lacquer thinner at Ace Hardware and do it myself? And that's, or, or can I get this scratch out? I think I know I've got like a dual action sander. Um, that, yeah. That's a question that I think is a little bit more intuitive um, right. on the interior. So I don't mean to interrupt you on that one. Well, no, and that's fine. And with interiors, as a DIYer, you can do you know, pretty much everything. It will take time, it'll take a bit of effort, but you can do it. There's a few things that even professionals should not be doing. And first and foremost on that list is mold redeemation. If you have mold in your vehicle, take it to a, spe to a specific company that does mold removal. And if your professional detailer says, oh yeah, yeah, I do mold removal, I wouldn't really trust that. Uh, I, I see it on the forums and I'm like, is its own thing. Yeah, I mean, IICRC is a way to get certified in fire, flood, janitorial, and, and I got my carpet cleaning certification through them. I did a two-day class. Right. And they literally have specific courses and then multiple courses. Like, you can get your PhD, so to speak, in this, you know, um, yeah. in terms of mold remediation. And the average detailer, they don't know what they're doing. Like, it's a health risk. I think no. it's almost an insurance claim at that point. It is. If you have mold in your vehicle, it's an insurance claim. And a lot of things can be an insurance claim. And that's something you need to evaluate before you take it to a detailer. Because if your detailer looks at it and goes, oh, yeah, I can fix that, 
and then charges you, you know, five, six hundred dollars, whatever it is, when it was an insurance claim, and the insurance company will make sure that it's done properly, which is very important. Uh, you know, a lot of detailers they're uh, hungry for money. We'll put it that way. <laughs> and being hungry for money, that makes it so that they'll take on jobs that they really shouldn't be taking on. Uh, yep. We had one job at my shop that customers stored their vehicle for the winter. When they stored their vehicle for the winter, they noticed their dog all of a sudden got a really big appetite. Well, the dog wasn't the one eating. It was little rodents taking all the dog food into the car. And luckily, they didn't do much on the interior of the car, but they loaded, literally, the engine bay. When you open the hood, it was a solid emporium of dog food. And they got into the HVAC system of the car, again, filled with dog food. Customer brought it to us first. We said, look, we can help with portions of this. We can't do the whole thing. And in my shop, we had mold rejuvenation specialists because they had a bit of mold. They had maggots, which was not fun. Mm -hmm. The carpet needed to be taken out and replaced uh, because of the maggots and because of other things and the undercarpet. Well, I'm not a licensed mechanic. So we had the dealership. The car had was towed to the dealership. The seats, the carpets were taken out by the dealership, not by us, taken back to us. We steam cleaned the whole basic interior of the car that now, now no longer had any soft materials. It was all hard plastics and metal. Then back to the, back to the uh, dealership to put the seats back in, to put new carpet in, and to get everything back together. So that was an ordeal that for the insurance company, all totaled cost them about $8,000. And if someone would have brought it to a detailer, oh yeah, yeah, I can uh, extract that and get it out, that odor would have never gone away because the under carpet needed to be replaced, not just cleaned. Uh, the carpet needed to be replaced, not just cleaned. Uh, one of the seat cushions had to be replaced, not just cleaned. The HVAC, HVAC system had to be decontaminated from one end to the other. The, of course, the air filter needed to be replaced. But those are all things that the mechanic, while they were there, so we cleaned out all the dog food from the engine bay while I was at the mechanic shop, they looked at all the wiring. They looked at all the everything under the hood to make sure nothing was chewed and taken out by the, the little rodents. So those are all things that your, your detailer, if you say, I have mold in my interior, can you handle that? And they answer yes. I would question them, then do they have the certifications to do so? And you don't want to be the super annoying customer. So I think there's a really... Uh, no. There's a really... Um, tactful way to ask these questions but you may say hey i got a you know a lot of mess on my carpets um can you shampoo them and yeah then you want to hear what they say when when you so do you steam them or do you by chance use hot water extraction i saw this guy hawk pro detailing yeah, exactly. says hawk uh, hot water extraction is the best way <laughs> to clean carpets is that something that you do on my upholstery seats or are you just kind of steaming them and wiping them down with the rag Sorry, I don't mean to be annoying, but I saw this video and he said that's a question I should ask. Because hot water extraction versus just steaming right. and wiping, it's a different kind of clean. I'm not saying one's better than the other, but if you're looking for the best possible right. detail, it does take longer. I mean, yeah. all right, how much for a detail? 
I'm a customer, I have no idea how to sift through all these prices and quotes and $100 for an SUV and $200 for a truck and what should I know about now, price if I'm calling a detailer? You're calling a detailer and this is a consistent subject on all the detailing groups for the professionals. Uh, there's a group called Detailing for Money. I think the I made a video specifically to answer that question, and every time it gets asked, I just post a link to the video. That video has a lot of views, but nonetheless, for my channel, anyways. Uh, that being said, that question is a very difficult one to answer, and generally speaking, and I'm saying generally here, the more expensive detailer will actually be the least expensive in the long run because they know what they're doing. They have a legitimate business and someone who's charging 30 or 40 or $50 an hour won't be around to serve you in a couple months or even in a year because they're not charging enough to be a legitimate business. And that is something that, you know, uh, my detailing channel, Nick is advertising his today, Hawk Pro, but, uh, my detailing channel is Detailers Business Academy. And this was the this shirt that was clean. This was the shirt that was clean yeah. in the closet, Ivan. I said, you know what? I'm feeling a little Hawk Pro today. Let's throw it on. Well, in one of the podcasts, I had a Hawk Pro shirt on as well. So uh, that being said, I need today, a Detailers a Business Academy it. shirt. Oh, nice. Uh, they don't exist because I have a, you know, my dress code is a shirt and bow tie normally. But that being said, a detailer that isn't charging enough isn't providing good quality service and good customer service in the sense that yes they'll be there they'll be they'll do the job etc but will they be there when you need them the next time and someone who's not charging enough won't be there and if you consider a mechanic so if a mechanic in your area is charging let's say a hundred dollars an hour to put out a, a round figure your detailer should be charging roughly the same amount and why well, the mechanic, the square footage he's paying for his shop is the same as the detailer. There's no landlord in the world that goes, oh, you're a detailer. I'm going to charge you less. I've never right. seen a utility company say, oh, you get the detailer's discount. And I've never seen insurance companies do that either. So a proper legitimate business has you know, fees that are associated with doing business, and that's insurance that's utilities, that's rent, that's advertising. There's a lot of things that go into running a business. And if you're not taking care of those things, you won't be in business very long. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, detailers, they'll, instead of hiring employees, they'll do 1099s. And for those that aren't in the US, a 1099 is a temporary employee that you don't pay taxes on. It's up to that employee to remit taxes. They rarely do. So. And a 1099 is a subcontractor. Well, if you're hiring someone 40 hours a week, they're not a subcontractor. They're an employee. And so if your detailer is doing 1099s, isn't insured, those are ways of that detailer saving money to give you a lower price. But at the same time, they're raising their risk level and your risk level dramatically. So look for pricing. If it's too good to be true, probably is. Do you believe if it's, um, you know, cheap work isn't good and good work isn't cheap? Yes, definitely. I mean, I'm sitting at home and I'm thinking, man, I mean, about 150 bucks to clean up my car. Like, that's about what I got in my pocket. 
that's just not going to get you much in detail land. You could argue that that's crazy or you could face reality. Now, we have a lot of people in Utah, very well-to-do, and they'll move out. And I'll say, well, you know, an interior detail would start at 200 bucks, And they'd say, right. man, my guy in California did it for $50. Bucks. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll talk to my husband or, um, you right. know, I'll call you back if I'm interested. And it's like, I'm not mad at them. You know, they're a customer. They have their own money. I'm in yep. the marketplace, right? I need to meet that need and demand and whatever. But this ain't California, folks. And it takes a lot of detailer to survive the winter months that are pretty lean and be around the next year. And that's where I kind of look at if a detailer has been around more than a season in a place right. that has four seasons, so more yes. than one spring or summer, there's something to be said for them being good enough to survive. And I'm not saying they have to charge a ton, but surviving is sometimes winning in the early years, trying to get through the winter months in Utah. Right. So, and I'm in Quebec. You know, we have winter as well. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yes, you know, the winter time is lean for a lot of detailers. There are a lot of you know business strategies to make it not so lean, but again, not for a DIY. But if you're looking for a detailer, you know, whether it be interior or exterior, just be comfortable with that detailer and. If you're comfortable with them, you're comfortable with their business model and everything that they're doing, then go for it. And the other thing is, if you make an appointment, and this is something that really, really annoys detailers. If you make an appointment, please respect it. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of detailers, they rely on their customers being there for the appointment. And if you've made an appointment, if you need to cancel it, if you have a good reason, of course, but don't just cancel it because, oh, I decided I didn't want to. And if that's the case, you know, you probably made the decision not the day of. So if you've made the decision to cancel three, four, five days in advance, great. Tell them then. Don't wait till the day of the appointment to cancel. Yeah, I mean, less than 24 hours notice, especially when you're lean and mean starting out, you've planned that entire day to make money from that, maybe that one detail. And if someone cancels with less than 24 hours notice, you've kind of screwed over that person who is probably supporting the family or really needs the money. Um, a lot of detailers are yep. running a pretty tight ship, not because they're bad at detailing, just because it's sort of a tough needle to thread to be profitable. That's where we're going to put a link to the Detailers Business Academy, which is what Ivan is so passionate about. All right, back to the DIYer, <laughs> Ivan. What is the number one red flag? Right when you're looking for a detailer that you would you would just run away cash only mm. okay what about yeah. insurance uh must have insurance must you know take credit cards or at least debit cards uh and you know some people still take checks i didn't know banks still took checks uh <laughs> no they do but nonetheless if it's a cash only business, is it really a business? Uh, if they're not insured, is it really a business? And those are things to look for. Uh, like you mentioned, the IDA certification. So IDA is International Detailers Association. There's chapters around the world. It's a relatively new association. We started it maybe 10 or 12 years ago, if I remember. I was on the first board of directors. So uh, I, you know, I've been around a little while. That being said, the IDA provides some education, actually a lot of education to detailers and certifications. So it's not necessary that your detailer be IDA certified, but if they are, like Nick mentioned earlier, 
it shows that they're involved in the industry and wanting to learn and wanting to be better. And to circle back around one more time, detailers who have a shop versus mobile, you're not saying that either is better than the other. Um, should one no, be more expensive than the other? No, they, they should be the same price. And the reason they should be roughly the same price is, yes, the one that has a shop has overhead. That overhead being the rent, the utilities, property taxes, et cetera, et cetera. The mobile detailer has overhead, but in a much different way. That overhead is expressed in time lost. So a shop detailer, if they open at 8, they close at 5, they can be working on cars between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. nonstop. So they're $100 an hour. They've made in that eight-hour day, they're $800. They're good. The mobile detailer, well, they got caught in traffic. That took an extra 45 minutes. Who pays for that? Hmm. Uh, it rained. They had to cancel on you because it was raining. Again, who pays for that? So the overhead that a mobile detailer has is expressed in losses in efficiency. So yes, the job itself should be roughly the same price. Just because they're not paying rent, just because they're not paying utilities, doesn't mean they don't have an overhead to take care of. And that overhead, like I said, is lost time. Ivan LaCroix, and full another, of wisdom. Yeah, well, there you go. Another thing is, don't base it on time. Base it on the experience that you're getting and the quality of the job. Uh, one of my passions in life is efficiency. And we'll give an example. Uh, wash, decontamination, and wax on a vehicle was a very popular service for us in our shops. In our shops, that was a 20-minute job. It didn't take two hours. It took 20 minutes. The detailer down the street that had been open for 30 years, and he's still open today, still does a great job, for him, a wash, clay, and wax was an hour and a half to two hours. He charged $99. We charged $99. He was making $50 an hour. We were making $300 an hour. So... We were charging for the service. We weren't charging for our hourly rate because there are other services that we did that we weren't making $300 an hour. And, but it all averaged out. And that's how we have to look at it. Uh, you know, there's a lot of detailers that on their website will say that this job will take two and a half hours. Great. What if they get it done in two? Are you going to ask for a discount? You shouldn't because they've just gained an efficiency. As long as the job is done to your satisfaction and their satisfaction, that's all that needs to be done. So uh, just like you, you, know, you go to a steakhouse and you can order a hamburger at a steakhouse and you'll probably pay you know, with the plate, with the fries and all that, probably 25 bucks. Or you can go to McDonald's and get the Happy Meal. Well, maybe not the Happy Meal. You're, I know you're young, Nick, but you're not that young. Uh, but, you, you know, you get a... My daughter doesn't like the Happy Meal because she says there are only boys' toys in there. Oh, there you go. Sad face. Well, the, yeah. Anyway. You, you, get a combo, you get a combo meal at McDonald's for, let's say, 10 bucks. You're getting what you're paid for. The, the one at the restaurant that you're paying $25, of course, you're getting a waiter bringing it to your table. Uh, it's, they ask you how you want it cooked. Uh, the condiments are a little more. The, the beef is a little thicker. The bun is more luxurious. The fries are nicer. 
there's maybe a little salad in there. So those are all things that you have to take in, into consideration, whether it be detailing, whether it be restaurants, anything. There's a level of service and we have to pay for that service. Amen. Amen to that, Ivan. We're rounding out the 30-minute mark. I want to keep us under 30 minutes. Do you have any final thoughts on how to choose a detailer? A lot of DIYers out there are proud. They want to do it with their own hands. They feel the beauty of transformation. We've all been there. When do you take yep. your slice of humble pie and hire a detailer? Let's close it out one more time. Well, you take your slice of humble pie when you're not comfortable doing it. That's all I can say. <laughs> 